In this case, it could be the ACL, it could be the MCL, it could be the ankle sprain, it could be the hip, it could be your low back disc, but momentum is the driver, unfortunately, of injury, specifically the ability to control momentum. So getting off tangent a little bit, this is why I got so excited that day in Notre Dame, because all of these things that we're talking about hit me at one time. And I started realizing I can go ahead and really, really help people, not just get over injuries that maybe they suffered, but bigger and more importantly, prevent them because we're training momentum, ground reaction, and gravity. And, and if they're willing to train with bands on a consistent basis, I can probably enhance their performance because of all the things that we've already talked about. And that's why, you know, you can talk about portability, you can talk about lightweight, you can talk about convenient. Yeah, bands give you all of that. Stop right there. Elastic resistance gives you so much more from a functional standpoint that helps you outside the gym than any other tool that's on this planet. Welcome to the Run Form Podcast. I'm Bobby McGee, running mechanics expert. And I'm Matt Pandola, your run-specific strength coach. Matt and I have been working together for almost a decade on some of the top athletes in the world, and we've decided to share that process with you guys. Welcome, everyone, to the Run Form Podcast. Today, we have a very special guest, Dave the Bandman Smits. Dave, how are you today, buddy? I'm good. I'm good, Matt. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me on the podcast. It's going to be a lot of fun. Oh, yeah, it is. So you're the band man. We have lots of stories to tell today. I certainly came back from band school, a whole new trainer back in the day. Jeez, I think it was at least 16, 17 years ago now. So love to talk stories about what we've learned with our athletes and how we've used the bands over the years. But First, we're going to tell people a little bit about who you are and uh, what the heck you're doing here today, buddy. Uh, a little bit about okay. yourself, Dave, for the audience. Yeah, thanks. Uh, well, um, I'm a physical therapist by trade. And as, as we go through the podcast, you're going to hear that um, background coming through pretty loud and clear because everything that I've developed um, with RBT or resistance band training is really um, stemmed from my physical therapy background. And so that's where uh, I started this. Um, that was in, uh, graduated in 1986. Uh, started my orthopedic physical therapy ba- uh, career then. Um, and then in 1996, um, I discovered the resistance bands, um, which we can go into a story about later. Uh, from there, everything kind of just took off. Um, it's one of those types of things where a light bulb went off and I... I found a tool and a system that allowed me to help people across the board get better. And that's that's where this all started. And so with that, um, I ran with it for 22 years. I stayed as a therapist in the clinic and then um, progressed onto my own. Um, in 2000, uh, I broke away and started being an independent physical therapy contractor. Uh, and then three years later, um, decided to get resistancebandtraining.com off the ground uh, and started that. And then in 2005, we officially launched it. Um, and my wife and I teamed up and we started resistance band training systems, 
which is the actual company name, um, and have been doing that um, together since 2005. Um, so it's uh, it's been a great ride, a great trip. Um, I never thought it would get to this point, um, but it's been it, when you're following a passion and when you're doing something you truly enjoy and that you see is helping so many people, it's pretty easy to do on a daily basis. Yeah, you are a passionate guy. One thing that I was thinking as you were talking about, you've been doing this for 22 years, and I was lucky enough to meet you sort of earlier on, and I knew I found the right guy because the seminar I went to, you and I were talking about an athlete in particular that I happened to be working with, a professional boxer, and he ended up being... Oh, geez, I think ranked third in the world at, at his highest level. And you were giving me some advice on things I could do with him on the road during camps and literally on the road. You know, we had road work to do. So he would box some rounds and then we'd literally go out and do some road work. And I wanted to bring some bands with me that we could do these things just about anywhere. And wow, that really was a game changer for that first camp I did with that athlete with the bands and coming back from band school, I was so grateful for the extra time you gave me because I think you spent, I'm not exaggerating, probably three additional hours just talking to me after working for, I believe it was three full days of seminars. And so really appreciate your passion and what you bring to uh, trainers like myself. It doesn't uh, go unnoticed and really appreciate your efforts. And I am just so honored to have you on today because I have been your follower, if you will, for that many years. Well, thank you very much, Matt. Um, but the a lot of the passion just stems from, and the communication approach I use um, is just stems from my dad, um, um, who I grew up on a farm. And when you grow up on a farm back in the 70s and so, you communicate with people directly by just talking to them eye to eye. Sometimes we'd use a landline. Do you remember, if you guys remember what that is, Evan probably doesn't have a clue on what that is, but um, we'd use a landline, but that's the only way I know how to communicate with people and wh whatever time it takes to make sure they um, get their questions answered is basically the rule. And um, so that's how I approach things. So I'm, I'm really glad it worked out for you and I, and I'm glad it's hung in there and we've stuck together and communicated all this time because you have a really interesting business yourself, and and I'm excited to go ahead and see how the two connect up today. Uh, it's been a real game changer, and we'll we'll talk more about that. With bands in particular, I wanted to give the audience a little bit of perspective, especially those who aren't currently using our programs. We do use the bands from your company in all of our programs. In, in fact, even with our training programs where we have alternate options with bands that's so that we can do those things on the road even when you're away from your gym so i love the fact that in the first seminar i attended you were talking about all of the benefits that band training gave and i wasn't really honestly at that time uh, considering a lot of those benefits but you also were talking about how the, uh, the machines and, and the dead weight does still have its place. And I like that too, because you weren't speaking in absolutes. And to me, that's a big one. We, we do want to be able to, uh, to get or use the tools that are available to us the best we can. And oftentimes, though, I do find that 
the bands are just the best service to the athletes. But the bands in particular that you uh, that you have us use and our company uses for our programs are not just the mini band. I think that a lot of people think of when we talk about bands or hip circles. So talk a little bit about the bands and how you you make these bands. What what the uh, the purpose for these bands are, Dave? Sure, sure. Well, the Quantum Band was um, pretty much uh, developed. Um, by myself and the manufacturer that I've been using since 2005. The, the key components to the quantum band that are significant, that make it, in my mind, the best band on the market. Um, and I, I don't say that, but I mean, it's proven since 2005. We haven't had to change it. Um, so a product that has withstood the test of time, to me, proves that it's, it's still a very high quality product. But what makes it that? Um, are essentially three things. Number one, it's a layered band and so versus a molded band. A molded band, um, much less expensive to make, uh, much quicker to make, um, but more difficult to um, establish a consistent tension, but also just from a durability standpoint, a, a solid piece of latex is not going to perform like multiple layers glued and heated together um, are going to perform. And so the quantum band is a layered band. That layering process is done in a very unique fashion in that we use a uh, process called latex bonding. Um, There are other layered bands on the market, but the quantum band takes layering to another level by using latex bonding, which is a combination of gluing each and every individual layer that is continuously laid down. We glue it and heat it at the same time. And that's a significant component because most layered bands just simply continually lay them down, glue them. And then when the band is completely formed and the thickness is where they want it, they'll then heat it that way. Now, why is that important? Well, quick example. If you take a patch and put it on your, on your shirt, and iron it on, it will seal to the shirt pretty firmly because there's one layer. Now take 15 patches, pile them on top of each other, and then put them against your shirt, but only only iron the top, put the iron against the top layer. What's going to happen is the patches in between your shirt and that top layer have to somehow get that heating element to it, and it's not going to happen. And so what happens is a band that is layered but not doesn't use latex bonding has a higher likelihood of splitting in the middle. And we call that delamination where the, ba- the layers actually pull apart. So that's the second component of the quantum band that's significant is latex bonding. The third one is a 20% longer manufacturing process that we feel is absolutely key. And that is we create what's called a latex weld And what we do is we weld that top layer back onto the band so that top layer cannot peel back. That's significant for two reasons. Number one, when that top layer starts to peel back, people immediately just feel, well, I'll just tear it off or I'll pull on it. And what happens is it starts to unlayer the band. They literally start to delaminate their own band, if you will. By putting a weld down, it seals that top layer down 
it can't peel back and the layer and the band performs as a unit and there's no concern with that fraying of that top layer. Those are all three keys that make the quantum band different than any other layered band out there and basically any other band that's out there. Yeah, that's perfect. And I will say that we really wanted to have the RBT bands in our programs and we actually sell them with our programs because safety obviously is the most important thing. We want our athletes to be safe. It's the bands have lasted me so many years. I I have I can I have a good testimonial to how long the bands will last and you just simply want to have a few basic rules in mind in my opinion if you're potentially fraying the bands with the bottom of your feet with your shoes or if you're not using a proper anchor so in our gym in a bag we we wanted to also have that anchor that you sell that way the bands are uh, safer to use obviously and the anchor allows the band the shelf life of the band to really last much much longer so that's that's why we have the anchor as well but uh let's let's get into the story i love this story that you originally told me about how you got into the band business and band training in general uh, because that's what really turned me around and sold me on why I needed to come back and start using bands with my athletes, even when I had weights around. Uh, would you yeah. would you tell that wonderful story, Dave? Sure. Well, the, the story began, uh, I was a physical therapist and I was treating people and I was working with a mentor of mine named Gary Gray. And Gary talks a lot about teaching the body, training the body, strengthening the body, to handle the drivers of force, which are momentum, gravity, and ground reaction. So we have to learn how to deal with these elements. So with that as the background, um, I was invited to go to a Notre Dame University to go to a football clinic with a good football coaching friend of mine who I happen to actually be golfing with this weekend. And we went to this uh, conference and they started talking X's and O's and football stuff. And I immediately said, well, I'm not interested in this walked out of the area, the conference room they were talking, and went into the Notre Dame open uh, indoor field complex, their turf field. And there was a guy working with these huge industrial-sized continuous loop bands. I sat down, and immediately the light bulb went off, and I started watching the guy he had performing certain drills with these bands, and I realized immediately that an elastic tool can slow down momentum, can speed up momentum. It can soften ground reaction forces. It can make ground reaction forces more aggressive. And obviously it can accelerate gravity or it can assist gravity. And so those, you know, my mind thinks like that. And, and so I immediately started saying, well, wait a minute. And the size of this and the ability to hook it onto your body and the ability to go ahead and essentially use it in any way because it's not gravity dependent. It, it, essentially, gravity is a non-player in this tool. I started looking at it going, well, wait a minute. This tool can go ahead and accelerate concentric speed. It can accelerate eccentric speed, which means that it can create acceleration and it can also accelerate deceleration. So before I get really geeked out on your audience, just stay with me a little bit. 
these are the types of things I I thought of. And so I sat down with this gentleman. I literally went up to him during a break and said, you know, his name was Dick Hartzell. Um, and I said, Dick, do you realize that this tool can do this, 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 and this? And I think he did, but he never thought of it from that, those terms. And so we sat down for three hours. He literally left his conference, let the guy train that was helping him. And we sat for three hours and talked band. And from there, it really just took off. I started to work with him. I started to help him a little bit, get going. But then I quickly realized I wanted to take resistance band training to a much different level. I wanted to use it a much different way. And so I asked him, you know, I just said, hey, I'm going to go on my own with your blessing. And he said, absolutely, go for it. Because his mission is the same as my mission is today. And that is, I want people to look at elastic resistance and realize that elastic resistance is designed to train your body the exact way it was designed to work. It just absolutely fits how we move and how we function. And it's because we're training momentum, gravity, and ground reaction forces. And so that's kind of the story in a nutshell. Fortunately, I was in physical therapy at the time, rehabbing people. So I could actually test out all of these things on people that were injured. And quickly I discovered, yep, it's true. Everything Gary's telling me is true. And the bands helped me eliminate gravity issues, momentum issues, and ground contact force issues so people can regain function. And so we started rehabbing people exclusively with bands. I then figured it out, why am I waiting for people to get hurt to come to me? So I started working with athletes because they were the best way I could really perform and challenge the bands to their maximum. And at the same time, then in 2000, I launched uh, the Fitness Band Bootcamp, which was my R&D research lab with adults, where I basically trained adults in a fitness camp four days a week using nothing but resistance bands. And the, the changes and the things that we were able to create and do were just insane. And I quickly started to just develop a library of information, not just exercises, but just tons of information on why resistance bands were, were doing what they were doing. And just to finish, I just promise you, if you're all out there and you're looking at resistance bands, you say, oh yeah, I use them to do assisted pull-ups. Well, let me tell you this, you are doing one one hundredth of what you can do with these things. Um, and so that's how this all got started. Um, and then it's taken off from there. That's wonderful. I, I, I'd like to talk a little bit about my experience with bands. And then I think Bobby has definitely got some, uh, some, I think coaching tips in here and we'll, 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 uh, let him talk a little bit about what he's been doing. The unconscious incompetence. This is something Bobby talks about a lot with, the wrong intuition in a movement pattern, that's something that is very sometimes hard to teach an athlete. And so, for example, a hip pinch, you know, that is where we may start to have that uh, conscious incompetence. And so that, that learning curve with that initial, that wrong analysis, we have to be able to make some mistakes. And at the same time, the band just doesn't contract, but you also react. And so just a simple introduction to a hip hinge with that band around your hips 
and anchored behind you and allowing the athlete, even on their knees, to just start to learn how that hip is supposed to hinge first when they're doing an archetype like a deadlift. And so just that learning curve is something that I use all of the time. And as they start to get that conscious competence, that that right analysis, then we start to go into more athletic anchor type of positions where they're on their feet. And then even progressing with bands, I think that's an important point to bring up is I use bands all the time to actually make the movement uh, progressed or harder, if you will, uh, progressive overload. And where that, that athlete can now really start to work on their ability to create that force in their skill sets and that unconscious competence now that that right intuition is able to really start to take over especially when we do something with the bands like that and then we kind of set them free and i have them do one of our drills immediately afterwards especially say one of bobby's form drills so that's kind of how we set it up in the program that there is that learning curve. And I just, I love how bands can work with that. And what I stress to athletes is sure, the band can be an assistant in assistance in various vortexes in ways that you won't necessarily get uh, with, with other uh, tools, but also just the fact that it's not just for assistance. It, it's also for progressions, like you mentioned with the pull-up. So, uh, Bobby, he actually, first camp I ever went to with Bobby, talk about innovator, right? Uh, internet. I think you're talking about a guy, you talk about landline, uh, phone connections. He, I think he was the first guy to put one cup in a strain, another cup together. He's, he was that guy. Uh, he goes way back. <laughs> and so first, uh, first camp, I was really impressed with what he put together in his mind with just using bike tire tubes because he was working with triathletes and he knew they had bike tires and they were doing some drills with those tubes way back in the day, Dave, probably even before your day. But of course, nowadays we use the best tools possible, which is your RPT bands. But uh, uh, Bobby, you remember that that first camp where we worked with athletes with bike tubes? Absolutely, absolutely. And I, and I still use bike tubes, right? Um, yesterday I was working with, with an Olympic athlete and, uh, an old running acquaintance from, you know, from in the nineties, uh, was running towards, uh, towards the group. And he was wondering what that coach was doing. And he said to his friends, oh, that must be Bobby McGee, because there's a lot of bike tubes involved in what, whatever he's doing. And then he showed up and like, oh, it is Bobby, <laughs> you know, so Absolutely. Uh, Dave, I have, I have a number of, of questions to ask you and so on. Um, you know, in, in our program, you know, run form, we have those four pillars and the one pillar is called banded dynamics, right? And, uh, you know, it's such a, a great explanation, but we come, come across, and I'm sure you come across as a PT, um, a lot of people understanding the value of this kind of, uh, work in terms of rehabilitation so a lot of people might be coming to bands the first time because they're injured and so on i wonder if you could speak to um, your experiences and anecdotes where there were these leaps forward in in performance in running performance where when people uh, took on working with bands 
Yeah, exactly. Well, um, a couple of things you guys have hit on. One of the big things is we use flat, continuous looped bands because they adhere to the body. You can hook them over your hips. And when I say adhere, that ability to adhere creates a proprioceptive response. And one of the things that I obviously used a lot in rehab and it trans transcended all the way into performance was this tactile stimulation that bands can create. So to not again, get real complex here, if I flip a band and I put it over top of your hips, okay, well, the power center for running is going to come from our pelvis, specifically our glutes, our trunk, but that, that power center. Well, you just attached a band to your hips and you're going to have them run forward. Well, without having to say a word, the pressure of that band placed against the anterior part of the hip or the specifically at the ASIS or slightly below that in the hip crease is going to immediately create a hip hinge, which is going to immediately load the glutes, which is going to immediately engage the key muscles we need to get people to propel forward. So does the band create that? Yes, it does, but it does it through proprioceptive stimulation. Now, the beauty is it's a resistant tool. So now I can progressively load them and I can load this hip hinge specifically so that they have to now start to learn how to actually create repeated episodes of hip hinging. And because the band is non-gravity dependent, I can work in a horizontal vector. So now I can actually have them walking so they're actually performing the walking movement. So now they're not just hip hinging, but they're reciprocally hip hinging. So they can reciprocate by just doing the walking motion. And then they know over time, the band is going to get progressively harder the further they stretch it. So now they start to generate what we call acceleration or momentum. They want to get started and they want to explode out. They want to move quicker because mentally they know it's going to get harder if they truly want to finish the the rep or want to finish where we want them to stop if i have a couple of cones and i have them run from cone a to cone b they know when they get to cone b they better be coming with some momentum or they're not going to get there so look at all the things that we've just put together in one simple band attachment at their hips and one simple movement of walking, we've created, number one, an activation of the glutes. We've created, number two, an effective hip hinge, which is what caused the glutes to activate. We've allowed them now to progress that into a reciprocal movement. So now they can go ahead and basically go right side, left side, or actually walk. And we can scale the band resistance to make it as aggressive or easy as we want. And we allow them to go ahead and be as explosive as they want. So now they can go ahead and create speed as they become more and more proficient at performing the movement. You know, I've always followed the, the premise with any level or population, develop control, develop rhythm, and speed will come. And so I've always followed that. And so that's how bands take a, a, a simple movement of walking and turn it into something that people can train. And while they're training it, the likelihood is, I always say, if it looks good, it's probably pretty good. Meaning the quality and the recruitment process 
and the synchronizing of muscles and and just total joint movement and integration of all that is probably doing pretty well. Yeah, I love that. That's, and I think uh, the coordination and control is kind of what I refer to it as for for that speed. But I, I love that control and, and your rhythm and that that equals better speed. And uh, one thing I wanted to point out, and then Bobby, I'll uh, I'll let you go there with your thoughts. But with the bands, I think the fact that we can do a lot of this type of sharpening work even in a hotel room, right? So with our programs, we talk about how we start even slow, really slow with our patterns. And again, that's part of that uh, that conscious incompetence where we want the athlete to go slower to even make some mistakes, but where they can start to recognize if they're going slow, more of the stabilizers are going to kick in for them. But then as we pick up the speed and we are starting to go with a little bit more force, especially with that concentric action that bands don't just contract, but they get you to react. And so as we go heavier with the bands or we have more resistance and we're going faster, we're getting closer and closer to that performance skill set that we want to do. And Bobby and I sort of developed a system together over the years where we'll have an athlete like Ben Knut, uh, really proud of his challenge Roth performance. He was just third on the podium the other day. And in his uh, hotel room, the morning of, he's just doing six and a half second work with the bands just to get things sharpened up, to get them feeling springy, ready to go. So, so versatile, but those movements initially started very slow and with lots of control. So I love that you brought that up. What I kind of refer to as coordination and control should be the base of that work. And then that speed is there. But uh, I believe those steps are so much uh, easier or it's you are able to learn those steps without a ton of coaching cues, which is what I love as well. Paralysis through analysis, I try to really stay away from getting an athlete to get in their own way. And as a coach, if I can use a band that's essentially giving them the cue they need, I don't have to say anything. So like you were referring to earlier, I think that's just a wonderful point about how bands, in my opinion, there especially can really be wonderful work. Um, and it's the best tool, not, not that it's the only tool you have necessarily like in that hotel room scenario, but is actually the best tool for things like that. Uh, Bobby, your thoughts? Yeah, um, you know, obviously the portability and the simplicity of of the bands is is a huge key, right? And and you're talking to the endurance community. The endurance community is not necessarily enamored. You know, I remember in the early days, uh, sort of the mid '80s, when when strength training was coming to running, right? Um, that my athletes, you know, even though they were sub four minute milers, they were you know, 145 second, 800 meter runners, they were tremendously confronted with going into the gym, right? And that's when I started inventing these ways for, for them to do work in environments where they were not confronted, where they were amongst their peers and their peers were interested in what they were doing because they they were the better athletes, right? So that, that to me is so, so important. A point that I wanted to bring up though is that the endurance community is not necessarily the most 
neurologically skilled community, right? So a lot of their practice is, you know, slow twitch muscle fibers and so on. And they actually sublimate their explosive abilities and those explosive abilities they need for hip stability when they run. And so the nice thing about bands is it not only uh, is a accelerator of fatigue, it's, it's an incredible diagnostic tool too. So, you know, put a runner in a harness, give him a little bit of resistance and you suddenly expose all the things they would do when they become fatigued. And not, not every runner has access to, you know, a, a cameraman that's videoing them in the early stages of their run, in the mid stages of their run, and in the late stages of their run when, when fatigue starts impacting their form. And the beautiful thing about bands is it quickly exposes what they do as soon as you give them a resistance. And even, even greater than that for me with bands is it's really hard to teach an endurance athlete the value of torque, right? The, this whole concept of if you're in the air too long, you're decelerating, right? If you're on the ground too long, you're fatiguing. And the minute you introduce a band, they have that, as you said, that proprioceptive tactile cue that says, okay, I'm working too hard, my cadence is too slow, I'm working too uh, uh, too fast and I'm not producing enough force. And they are able to, with the resistance of the band, find their own torque sweet spot, uh, which which is always fascinating to me uh, when, when you use the bands, right? So it's that, sure, heels are functional, right? But you're using heels to help athletes run better on the flat. And um, if you can apply that same resistance that gravity is providing on inclines, but alter the ankle mechanics by getting them onto the flat with resistance, now suddenly um, you, you're able to make that resistance exercise way more functional. Uh, and, and that's, to me, exciting. And that, you know, that's why you know, I kind of want to ask you to, to speak about you know, your experiences on how, how idiot-proof it is. If you have a skilled practitioner with an athlete by just manipulating your anchor point, you can get what you want and that there's nothing else that that provides that opportunity to manipulate the anchor point and the amount of resistance provided, right? So uh, that, that progressive nature of the bands and specifically these bands that are such so high quality, they're progressive. They don't run out of stretchability nearly as quickly as anything else. And, right. and uh, that really helps. Yeah, and I think, Bobby, what you're, uh, you know, what both you and Matt have hit on, uh, I want to just come back on a couple points, but but your point about letting athletes, um, you know, there's a lot of ways an athlete gets to the final result. And, um, you know, you're, you're, none of us move perfectly and none of us are robots. We, we all adjust and compensate for our weaknesses by strengthening other areas. Now, ultimately, if those get too far out of whack, we get injuries. But ultimately, there's multiple ways to get the results we're looking for. So when it comes to training with bands, the best way I can describe how effective they are at improving movement skills is when I talk, I look at, I work with my middle school athletes. And middle school athletes don't know how to create force. They 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 don't really know how to create acceleration. They they're not really sure 
how to go ahead and work hard against the resistance. So if I give them an amplitude of movement of three yards and I say, hey, I want to get, get from point A to point B, and they do it with the bands one time, all of a sudden they realize, oh, I didn't start out fast enough. So the next time, what do they do? They drop their hips, they set their center of gravity down a little bit lower, and they push off the ground much harder. Does that sound what you want in your athletes? <laughs> I think so. You yeah. want them to create their hip strength. They, you want them to lower their center of gravity. You want them to drive out of the ground, and you want them to do it with some intent. Done. I didn't say a word. I gave them a, a simply an amplitude of movement to cover. They figured out the rest. So that's the best way I can describe and share an example of how bands make athletes better without us ever saying anything. A couple of things that you guys have hit on as well that are unique to bands. It's a it's an ascending variable resistance. And for for your your um, audience out there, they're going well. So what? Well, folks, an ascending variable resistance means that as you perform a repetition, the speed of the repetition can change because the resistance is variable. So that means that I can go ahead and actually create power because I can change speeds. By changing speeds, I can reduce time. I can increase time. Well, time is the key factor when it comes to developing power. That's the first thing. The second thing is it's an ascending resistance, which means that in order for you to finish a movement, there's a high likelihood you're going to have to create some momentum to finish it. In order to create momentum, you have to load the system. The harder and the more effective you load the system, the more explosive you're going to be. What do I mean by loading? Simple example. I want you to, your audience right now to stand up and without bending their knees, ankles, or hips, I want them to jump in the air. Go ahead, try it. They're not going to do it. The likelihood is they're going to get maybe a, a quarter of an inch off the ground, but they're still probably going to bend their knees and ankles a little bit. Now, I want you to jump as high as you can. But right before you go and actually leave the ground and accelerate up, I want you to stop. So what do they do? They squat down, they load their hips, and they load their lower body. That's called loading. That's what a band does to you each and every repetition because you know it's going to get harder. You know it's going to be more aggressive. So you load the system more intently so that you can be more explosive. How perfect of a training stimulus can we create than that? And now... Put it in the general population of people, the general Joe, the average Joe that wants to exercise and just get in shape. What does he want to do in the real world? He wants to golf. He wants to play pickleball. He wants to go ahead and run with his grandchildren. He wants to play an occasional game of softball, baseball, whatever. All of those things are athletic, explosive movements that require you to load the system and explode, load and explode, load and explode. Bands are teaching you that on every single rep. And I don't care if you're chest pressing, pulling, squatting, running. I don't care what the movement is. It's all the same because you're working with an ascending variable resistance. It's it's so cool because, you know, if you think of that community that you've just spoken about, Dave, um, 
when they think about strength training, when they think about conditioning, right, it's very much an ego thing. And and the beautiful thing about, I mean, biofeedback has been proven to be an incredibly effective way to learn and to condition, right? But biofeedback is often dependent on, you know, uh, force plates and digital stuff, right? Whereas the bands are, you know, not only the the cheapest, but they are the most tactile biofeedback device that there is. They really take ego out of the game, right? Because it doesn't matter how hard you try um, to, you know, impress yourself or anybody else standing around you. The bands keep you honest. The bands keep you on plane. The bands allow for progressive acceleration because they're progressively decelerating. So you have to accelerate your effort. You have to accelerate. You have to stay on plane. All of those things are covered by the, you know, by, by the simple band. Exactly. I, I, you use the word ego. Um, Bobby, I, I took my ego out of the gym years ago and my ego is filled now. Um, and I, and I try to stress this with all my fitness based clients and my athletes, your ego should be based on what you could accomplish outside the gym, outside of your training and your training should be feeding that. And so if you're competing in races and your races are getting, and you're doing better and your times are getting better, well, that's something to be, be proud about because you're actually improving a performance, a actual event. Um, you're getting better in pickleball. You're getting better in golf. Your training is making that better. And ultimately, when all of this is done and all the training is done, it's really to me, comes down to what's what what life's opportunities are being maximized because of your training outside the gym. And that's what you want to become feeling great about. So that's the first thing. The other point I'll make is, you know, the what do they say? The the best way to to perform is stay off the bench and don't get injured. Resistance bands allow me to train my body in multiple ways, in multiple planes of movement, the ascending resistance makes me maximize joint stabilization when my legs and arms are fully extended as far away from my center of gravity as possible, which from a physical therapy standpoint, I can promise you majority of the injuries that happen in the rotator cuff, the low back, the knee, the ankle um, are result of when the extremity is exposed further away from the center of gravity. The third reason it gets injured is it can't handle momentum. The momentum that you were doing, the speed that you were working with, you weren't able to decelerate effectively. An awkward movement ended up happening and you injured the ligament. In this case, it could be the ACL. It could be the MCL. It could be the ankle sprain. It could be the hip. It could be your low back disc. But momentum is the driver, unfortunately, of injury, specifically the ability to control momentum. So getting off tangent a little bit, this is why I got so excited that day in Notre Dame, because all of these things that we're talking about hit me at one time. And I started realizing I can go ahead and really, really help people, not just get over injuries that maybe they suffered, but bigger and more importantly, prevent them 
because we're training momentum, ground reaction, and gravity. And and if they're willing to train with bands on a consistent basis, I can probably enhance their performance because of all the things that we've already talked about. And that's why, you know, you can talk about portability. You can talk about lightweight. You can talk about convenient. Yeah, bands give you all of that. Stop right there. Elastic resistance gives you so much more from a functional standpoint that helps you outside the gym than any other tool that's on this planet. And and you're just not going to prove to me differently that that's the case. Um, it's just it's just not. Um, free weights are great. I love lifting weights. You got to learn how to deal with gravity. I get that. But gravity is just one third of what we have to deal with. There's two other po- components to it. And, and just getting stronger with a free weight is not going to go ahead and address those other two the way we need to have them addressed. Yeah, I know 100%. And I think a couple of things I wanted to bring up and ask you about a little bit more too, Dave, is you mentioned, for example, with the rotator cuff. And a lot of, we have athletes that are obviously more endurance-based and especially you'll have a triathlete who's doing a lot of swimming, working on their technique, but we do need to pay attention to how our stabilizers are kicking in, as I mentioned before. And just in general, I would say a lot of endurance athletes with their upper body work, that's not something that they've paid as much attention to in the strength room. Or in other words, a lot of times it's more hip dominant type of work, which is not a bad thing. But what I wanted to point out is that we, Bobby and I preach all the time, for example, with our run that we need to be able to lead with our shoulder and to be able to control our position is so important. So you'll have somebody who has some rotator issues or some pain there. If we have them doing a band press with the anchor behind them, like in our run form drills, not only are they pressing that band with their shoulder set in a better position, but as they press through, they have to be able to control that position. The band is doing that for them. And we tend to see that they can immediately do that movement as opposed to something like a push-up where they may immediately have some energy leaks or defeated mechanics and shoulder pain. And yet with the band, again, they're able to really learn that position slowly. And eventually we get that athlete to be able to have a lot more force behind that. And I love the fact that we can do that standing, which I think is more relatable to the athletes that we're working with. Exactly. But yep. yeah, and the final point I'll bring up is the grip because with endurance athletes, Dave, uh, and I have worked with a lot of professional athletes of multiple sports, but the the grip with endurance athletes tends to be restricted or it's not as advanced as with other athletes because they haven't worked as much with weight. So I love the fact that I can have an athlete working with a band on slow movement and with lighter resistance, but they may say grab the band or around the band with their grip and they are building that strength and they are starting to get better um tension they'll be able to create better tension with their grip what bobby and i talk about is we want to be 
compact in our positions. We want to kind of move from our center more effectively. And so we think of it like a, uh, a wheel and the hub being that center and that core, if you will. And, and through that expression, you have the spokes coming out from the hub. Those spokes need to be true. And that's, that is our peripheral, right? So those are the connections we need to have. And because of that, we're now able to really build off of a better foundation. So when athletes are, say, uh, progressing with their strength on something like a pull, if they are now starting to get fatigued with their grip, we can simply have that band looped around the wrist that's going to be like a wrist wrap or uh, that's going to assist them a little bit more so they can keep on pulling. We even have drills where you can attach the band around your elbow on a couple drills so we get it even closer to that compact position so we can really focus on those things. So, you know, so much versatility there, but I thought that was a point I wanted to bring up in that we can build things like grip strength, but when we really want to be able to get after some of those uh, bigger guys like the lats and we're doing work like that, the lats are not yet fatigued enough, but the grip is fatigued. So by using those options that I mentioned there, we're able to really keep going or to, to get more tension on the band. And, you know, that's such an interesting variable. Not only that, but when the athlete needs to just say, step in just, just an inch or two. Now they don't have to put weight down and go find new weight. They have a new weight. And when they want to progress a movement yeah. and say they want more attention, they can stay in that position. They can row, they can do a cluster set where they may have 15 to 20 seconds. They take off and they're just taking a step in for 15 seconds, step right back out to their mark and really work on the tension more. So, you know, athletes thinking that bands are just for prehab or just for even power. No, I, I think bands do a wonderful job with strength and you're a really strong guy. I remember watching you demonstrate some drills with enough resistance going, man, you know, that's, that's hard. That's hard to do. That's, that's not, that's not light weight. And so athletes, I'd like you to speak on that, but athletes oftentimes I think kind of categorize a band as well. I, I need to get strong and, and my coach said I have to do three to five reps as heavy as possible. So I have to go grab weights. And I, again, depending on your options and what your goals are, but you can do that with bands. Uh, and, you know, if you would speak on that a little bit as well, Dave. Absolutely. I mean, I always tell people muscles are pretty dumb. Um, they really don't know the tool that you're fatiguing them with. They just know they're getting fatigued and they know they have to respond or adapt accordingly if they want to be able to continue the movement. So with that said, I think the, the, one of the components of strength training that's sometimes lost is this concept of neuromuscular strength training. And what I mean by that is being able to tell the right muscles when to come to play and help and work with them when they have to work together. And running is a perfect example. It's not a single muscle movement by any means. So 
what I think resistance bands allow you to do is they allow you to go ahead and strength train your body as a continual unit because of the different vectors you can use to strength use to set up. And in turn, that overload, as you said, is not just overloading a muscle, it's overloading a movement pattern that is is impacted by multiple muscles integrated together and working. To me, that is what I want stronger. I, I want my ability to, to push, as an example I'll use, I want to be able to go ahead and push while my lower body is taking a step or jumping. I, I want to be able to pull as my lower body is stepping back and generating force off the ground. I, I want to be able to go ahead and jump while my arms are functionally moving through the air to simulate and help my lower body. That's that's what I want to be stronger at. I, I'm not really interested in being stronger at sitting in a chair and doing a simple dumbbell curl. Not that that's imp not important. Don't get me wrong, but I just don't have time in my strength training to get that specific. And frankly, that's not the way my bicep works. My bicep works in conjunction with a lot of other muscles if you look at movement patterns of what we do each and every day. So I think that sometimes when strength is evaluated by the general population and the athletic population, they think of it in single plane, isolated type patterns, when in reality, that's not the kind of strengthening our athletes specifically want, but even in our general population, that's not what they do. That they, they don't even function close to that outside the, the gym. And so I think that's the struggle um, and, and why resistance bands are great, but they're hard to convince people they're a strengthening tool because they're thinking traditional. I'm thinking functional reality, what I want outside the gym, those types of things. That's incredible. Thank you, Dave. That was uh, brilliant in, in, in terms of people thinking of the broad application that we have here. You know, the, the sport of triathlon is, a, is like a second career sport for most individuals that come into the sport. They uh, either, you know, they either come from a swimming background or they come from some sort of a team sport background or they've been sedentary for a number of years or they are runners that just, you know, just don't want to deal with, with you know, the loads and things of, of just being a pure runner. And, and bands are the, the absolute best way to help, uh, you know, a, a runner coming to the sport of the tri triathlon transition their upper body to the loads required in the swim. But converse to that, the, you know, people that come to the sport from, from other backgrounds and never run before, the bands are a great way to start um, conditioning them to the uh, continuous eccentric loading that is running, which is so problematic for people to handle. So, you know, if you had had a last thought for me on on uh, you know the the type of work that you can do with bands uh, that mimics that plyometric requirement, that that stretch reflex requirement that is so so huge in the running movement. Well, the key when you're using resistance bands to impact true eccentric control, um, stability, and ultimately be able to handle 
faster eccentric loads is number one, the band system has to be on tension at all times of some level. And as I'll use as an example, um, if I'm doing a simple standing staggered stance chest press, if I go ahead and push out against the bands and I lock my arms out, okay, I've just performed the concentric movement. And because it's a variable resistance, I could go and do it in an accelerated manner because the resistance will change as I push. However, as I come back into the loaded position prior to me pushing again, that would be the eccentric phase. If the band loses tension, I no longer am impacting the eccentric control. So very often when, when people and athletes are training with bands, they want to use the biggest band and the highest resistance because tradition says more weight, the stronger I can get. Well, with bands, you want to make sure first and foremost that the band system never loses tension. If it doesn't, you now can go ahead and get both the effect of the concentric explosive movement and the stabilization that you need to finish that movement, but you also now, if the system is still loaded, you can go ahead and return through the eccentric phase and you will have to go ahead and learn how to control the eccentric phase at a variable speed because once again, the speed is going to change as you come back, especially if you consciously try to accelerate back or accelerate your eccentrics, again, using the pushing movement, if you can picture I'm pressing out with my hands, doing chest press. Now I'm going to let my hands come back as fast as possible to my chest. That's accelerated eccentrics. You could only do that with an elastic resistance, variable resistance, and it's going to maximize your ability to handle higher speed deceleration or eccentrics, whichever way you want to call it, which is huge when it comes to injury prevention. Because what it's basically doing is teaching your body how to become a dynamic stabilizer faster. And that's exactly what you want your, that's what happens to some of your athletes is they don't eccentrically stabilize effectively. And then when they try to move faster, it only gets worse. So resistance bands allow you to actually train that eccentrics in both a controlled fashion, like you do a traditional model but in accelerated fashion, like you can only do with elastic resistance. That's beautiful. Yeah, I was going to tell you, Dave, we we talked prior to the podcast about my super senior that uh, I work with. And I actually work with a couple of these guys. Uh, one's in his 70s. The other one is 82 now. And I, I love Peter Atia's what he's sharing on longevity right now. And I believe you're actually listening to his book right now. And, uh, he's, yeah, that's, I'm, it's on my list as well. And I certainly, uh, listen to Peter's podcast and I think he's, he's right on the money with his concepts about longevity. And so looking at that, I just wanted to point out, cause we have talked a lot about with our athletes and performance, which obviously is so important having that availability. I remember when athletes were in Yokohama and Bobby and I were giving them band drills, even 
they couldn't leave their hotel room for days. So they actually had to even do some of their running with the bands, which was a wonderful option to have. But I also look at with somebody like Les, who, again, at 82 years old, he's hiking 20 miles with a 40-pound pack on because he's a world-class hunter, and that's his passion, and that's what he lives for. And that is, uh, to me, that's his lifeline. If we can keep him moving well like that, then he's got something every day to get up and look forward to doing. And so we obviously use the bands a lot because he's at a ranch in the middle of nowhere, really. And uh, he actually has to travel about an hour into town just to come see me. So uh, the bands make it so easy for me to give him drills to do that he can do at home. And just maintaining that range of motion with a guy like him, and then again, be able to do bands and use that as uh, a good way to continue to safely and effectively get him to work on his fast twitch fibers. Uh, Those are things that I am just so happy and grateful about with what we can do with the band. So I just, you know, wanted to point out that it's, it's also a really good tool for longevity for our super seniors, which is your term. I think I'm going to steal that now. Yeah. If, If we look at the aging process and we look at how exercise can influence that example, our mobility, our, our joint mobility can be ma- maintained. We we can maintain great joint mobility. Most of it is soft tissue mobility that just needs to be mobilized in multiple ways. If, if we're doing that on a regular basis in our exercise program, we've got a high likelihood that we're going to stay mobile. Therefore, we're going to be able to move better. The likelihood is our joints are going to feel better because they have more mobility. And age has nothing to do with that. Number two, you talked about it already. Our muscle, our neurological reaction, our ability to react quickly is going to decrease as we age. So are you training with a tool that allows you to train at higher speeds safely? Well, if you're only lifting weights, the likelihood is the answer is no. Resistance bands allow us to do that. Are you training a three-dimensional body? that moves in three planes of movement, often in two planes at the same time, are you training your body as a 3D structure or are you staying in single planes? If you're staying in single planes, you're probably going to age faster. Hence the reason, this is not picking on anybody, but when I walk in a weight room that is a lifter's weight room, guys are in there just wanting to lift a lot of heavy weight. I see a lot of guys moving real stiff and poorly. And a lot of times it's very uncommon or very um, much a norm that I'll hear them talk about, man, these shoulders are stiff today, or man, my low back is feeling it, or man, my knees ache today. Why is that? If straight plane lifting like you're doing is great for us, then why aren't you feeling good? It's because it's not. And as we age, we have to keep all planes of motion moving well. And then lastly, we know that muscles don't have to be maximally strong for us to perform at a fairly high level throughout life. We just need them to make sure they engage, they recruit, and they can generate enough resistance for us to overcome momentum, gravity, and ground reaction forces. So what what tool are you using to train those three things? Well, 
if you've been listening all day, you know that bands are the best way to go ahead and train that. So to me, as we get older, and I have multiple emails in my email box every week from people that are 65, 60, 75, 80, that are performing at high levels because they're training those things I just talked about, and they're avoiding the traditional model that doesn't impact those things as effectively. And so to me, longevity, there's a lot that goes into it. And the more I read the book, um, you know, that by Peter, the the more I realize there's a lot that goes into it. But I think one of the things that he's going to continue to come back to me is, is you need to exercise. Well, if we're going to exercise, why not exercise the way our body performs and the way our body produces energy and the way our body produces force? Let's exercise that way. Let's not put it in false artificial patterns that it doesn't use because we're just training it to be artificial. And those things will not transfer outside the gym. Beautiful. Yeah. And I, I think when you talk about with Peter's work on fast twitch, for example, I think you're able to get use bands to be able to work on fast twitch especially again when you're talking about a senior that it is safe and effective and I'm able to get less to even learn a little bit more with that band helping to give him those cues and then we get out there and we're doing skips endurance skips things like this that are very very appropriate for his goals and his age but we're able now to really start to work on systems that we don't want to lose. And we know we will lose that rapidly if we don't pay attention to that. But what makes me sort of shudder is when I see that people, especially that are super seniors, may not have as much of those uh, plyometric skills that they see on you know, Facebook or uh, Instagram. I, I imagine super seniors look at Facebook more, right? But and they think, oh, I, I'm going to try that. And it's just not appropriate for their age, yeah. but there are appropriate levels that they can do with the bands, right? Mm-hmm. Funny, I did a, I, I've done hundreds and hundreds of videos, but some of the most popular videos I do are videos that start out by saying, a safe way to jump with bands, a safe way to build walking strength with bands, a safe way. And those videos are popular because the word safe means that they can trust that I'm going to give them a progression and everything comes with progression. Um, you, you guys work with some of the top triathletes and endurance athletes in the country. They all started out at a certain level and have progressed from that level. It's no different with the general population and, and it, the population just has to understand that get started Make sure that's your level of successful starting that you can start at that point with no problems. And I'll promise you, I'll find a progression. I'll find a progression to take you up to another level each and every week or month. It just depends on how fast you can progress. Well, that's beautiful. And I think uh, we are about to wrap up here, but just wanted to ask you a good question for you is, uh, what, who is your favorite athlete, Dave? My favorite athlete? Wow. 
that um, honestly, Matt, I I don't have a favorite athlete, but I have athletes that have really impressed me. Uh, but they've impressed me because as great as they are, and most of them are the greatest of all times, arguably, they refused to not stop getting better. Michael Jordan's one of those guys. Um, I followed his career because that was time I was watching sports a little bit more. And, and I loved his athleticism. I loved watching him explode. But mostly, I loved it when they said, you need to get stronger so you can take a pounding going through the lane with those amazing moves. And he did it. They said, you need to learn how to go ahead and um, become a better mid-range shooter. He did it. You need to become a, a better at XYZ. He did it. Those are the kind of athletes that are my favorite. Be and those aren't necessarily always the athletes that are in the limelight. Um, I have young female basketball players right now that are in eighth and ninth grade that I've followed, um, and they're now going to be juniors in high school. They have improved so dramatically because each and every time I told them, you know, you could improve in this, and here's how, they did it. Quick story. I was working with one of my favorite basketball players last night. She struggles with doing push-ups because she doesn't have good trunk stability. So we would assist her with the bands so she could learn how to handle her trunk stability and coordinate it with her shoulder stability so they work together. She rocked out 25 full push-ups last night trunk never moved and she goes what do you think of that i go i think you've improved and you've gotten better you know and she then reflected on what that has done to improve her ability on the court which was just really satisfying for me because she took it way beyond a push-up she said this push-up is now making this part of my game better and to me um that you know that's getting on a tangent but that's what my favorite part of working with an athlete is. Those are my favorite athletes because they just refuse to not continue to improve on what is already an amazing level of performance. That's a brilliant answer. The performance mindset is, I think, really what it's all about for all of us as coaches. And even with Bobby and myself, I think we're sort of, uh, thought of as working with just elite athletes. And in reality, the majority of the athletes we work with wouldn't be considered elite. And certainly the athletes that for the majority of those people that are doing our programs, they are, have that performance mindset though. So they're getting to their elite levels and that's what really excites us. So I, I love your answer and I'll wrap up this with my favorite story from uh, Michael Jordan. So back in the day, my buddy was a baseball player. And when Michael Jordan switched over to baseball for a little bit, he was on the same team. And my buddy, Richie Pratt, he signed a baseball, put it in Michael Jordan's locker, left it there for him. And Michael Jordan opens up the locker and goes, who's Richie Pratt? He just, he had just gotten on the team. And Richie said, that's, that's me, man. Hold on to that. That's going to be worth something someday, right? So uh, they they had a good laugh about, <laughs> and and uh, I was I yeah exactly like and uh, and Michael Jordan to uh, uh, to everything you were speaking on before, 
uh, that's one of the things that that Richie did tell me is that uh, he was really not only a great athlete, but a great influence on other athletes like Richie to get the best out of themselves. So that performance mindset goes all the way across the board. And if you're listening to this podcast, you obviously have that performance mindset. And that's why we're talking to you today. But uh, last thoughts, Dave, uh, how can people find you? And uh, yes, sir. Well, the the best place to find me to start out with is resistancebandtraining.com. And going to the contact page, uh, I will let you know if you respond to the contact page, 99% chance you'll end up in my email box. Um, however, if you just want to email me directly, which most people do, just email me at dave at resistancebandtraining.com and that will come directly to me. Nobody in between, nobody looking at my other emails or, or going ahead and, and you know sorting through them. I take care of all those myself. So those are the direct connections. Um, if you want to follow me, follow me on Instagram at the Band Gym or on YouTube at Band Training Workouts. Um, I really recommend you do both because both platforms are a free level of education. Um, I don't get into high levels of entertaining. I get into high levels of educating and training and having fun with two bands. But Honestly, it's just a, a tr- both of them are just um, free education that's available to you anytime you want it. So I would recommend those two areas. Outside of that, um, you know, just feel free to reach out to me if you listen to this. Um, I really like to talk to people directly. Like I talked about earlier, I grew up on a farm. Direct communication is the way I prefer if I could, if I can go ahead and do that. That's wonderful. And of course, people can find your RBT bands as uh, in our webpage because we do use yep. those for our gym in a bag as well. So we're excited about that and that affiliation with you. Uh, super honored to have you on today. And uh, yeah, we really appreciate all of the insight you've brought. I've been taking some notes myself, always learning from giants like yourself. So thank you so much for being on today. You're welcome, Matt. Thank you. Thank you, Bobby. Thanks, guys, for having me on. As always, thanks for listening to the RunForm podcast. And as a reminder, we offer a totally free movement improvement assessment on our Pendola Project website. Here, you can get your own personalized protocol that will help your running today. So give that a try. Also, Bobby and I are experts on any question app where you can ask us, well, any question. So reach out to us directly there. Finally, if you learned anything new today, don't forget to share it with your compadres and leave us a quick review. That really helps us a lot. All the links you need are in the show notes below. Till next time, have a great run. Well, that was that was awesome. Yeah.